0: You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, Catalyst.fin. Welcome, and particularly welcome if you're uh, watching us for the first time. We love having visitors with us. So, as a church, we're going through a new series where we're looking at the seven, statements of Jesus that's found in the New Testament in John's gospel and so in the order they appear in the book of John uh, it, it says I am Jesus says I am the bread of life I am the light of the world I'm the door or the gate I'm the good shepherd I'm the resurrection and the life I'm the way the truth and the life and I am the true vine and today we're looking at the second I am statement that Jesus made He said, I am the light of the world. But before we read our passage today, we actually need to go back to the beginning of the Bible, back to Exodus, um, where God comes and he reveals his own name for the very first time to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So when God calls himself the I am to Moses, it's a real pivotal moment in history because God reveals himself to his people and he's come to redeem them out of exile, out of slavery and into new life. God's name discloses who he is and also what he is like. He is the I am, the eternal, the unchanging one. He is infinite and glorious in every single way and he is above and beyond all created things. He is God. And the name I am became so sacred in Judaism that it was never to be spoken of. It was never to be ushered. So then fast forward to the New Testament, to the book of John, where Jesus applies the very same name I am to himself. No wonder when the Jews heard this, they, what, all that Jesus was claiming, they wanted to kill him because he was claiming to be God, not a helper of God, not a great teacher or a prophet, but the divine, eternal, pre-existent, perfect being. He is Israel's God. He's greater than Moses because he is the God of Moses and he is life in himself and he brings life to us today. And so that's the backdrop which helps us understand one of the purposes of John writing this gospel because he wants everyone reading it to fully understand, to fully believe that Jesus really is the Son of God. So if you have a Bible with you today, why don't you grab hold of that, run to the kitchen or wherever you're watching today, get your Bible. Um, You can also uh, go onto the app and you can get a Bible. from one of the apps as well onto your phone so this is what it says John chapter 8 verse 12 to 20 when Jesus spoke again to the people he said I am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witnesses. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge and my decisions are true because I'm not alone, I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Amen. man So here is Jesus, he's at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is one of the three great um, feast festivals in the Jewish calendar. And this feast was to celebrate and remember that how God had led his people out of slavery in Egypt. It's remembering their history, where God's people were becoming strong in number, they were growing vast in numbers, and they were becoming strong, and the Egyptians hated it and they they were um, concerned that uh, what might happen and so what they did was they decided that they would make God's people their slaves and so they became slaves to the Egyptians. They were forced to become slaves. And after God sent the plague of the blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and lastly, the death of every Egyptian firstborn son, Pharaoh eventually let the Israelites go. So Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. All 600,000 men plus women and children. And eventually God's people, they were free. And they were in the wilderness for 40 years where they lived in tents and they followed the presence of the Lord that manifested itself in what was called the Shekinah cloud which was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and God's people would follow wherever the pillar of fire or cloud led them through the wilderness so this feast was to celebrate and to remember their deliverance from bondage and slavery in Egypt. It's to celebrate and remember that God was with them. And it's celebrating that God sent a pillar of fire to guide them. And so then every year, everyone would gather in the temple to celebrate and remember all that God had done and as you can imagine it was an enormous celebration loads of singing loads of dancing just remember the best celebration you've ever been to and then put steroids on it and that was the kind of celebration that they were having and in the midst of this celebration there were four enormous candelabras they would have been huge um not the size of a house but you get my drift huge very very big Massive, And they represented God's light. And as they were lit, um, everyone would be remembering what God had done. How he would brought them out of death, out of slavery in Egypt. Now obviously back then, there was no electricity. So when it got dark, it got absolutely pitch black. Where you wouldn't be able to kind of see your face, your hand in front of your face because it was so dark. And then these candelabras are lit these massive candelabras, and the flames will be shooting up, illuminating the temple for miles and miles around. And in the midst of this scene, with the candelabras behind him, Jesus, he gets up, he stands up, and he speaks, and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What stunning imagery! I absolutely love this. That Jesus, this is Jesus, reminding the people how he had led them out of Exodus, how God had led them out of Exodus, how uh, this great pillar of light had guided them and led them, and. Jesus is saying, I'm the same God that did that. I'm the same God that provided that light. He's saying all this celebration, all this remembering, how God has provided, how he did all of that, well, that's me. That's what I've done. So if you're in darkness, you need to come. You need to follow me because I am the light of the world. I love living in Aberdeen. I love everything about it except one thing. And if you live in Aberdeen, you're probably going to know what I am going to say. Or even in Scotland, to be honest. And that is our winters, because they're pretty awful. They're pretty grim. It's freezing cold. It gets dark about half past three, four o'clock. And uh, you feel like you wake up in the dark and you go to bed in the dark. And it's pretty miserable. And I remember one year in particular, it was the deepest, darkest winter. And I was watching TV and it was a summer's day and there was somebody on the TV sitting by an open window and the sun was streaming into the window and the net curtain was blowing in the breeze. And I remember me wanted to get off the sofa and climb into that TV and go and sit on that chair and have that sensation of the light and the warmth of that sunshine coming through. And you know what it's like, don't you? You're walking around um, Scotland, wherever you are, where it's cold and dark. And then suddenly, when you think, is the sun ever going to come out? Suddenly, it stops you in your tracks. And you're going about your daily business, stops you in your tracks. And you take a moment. And you just pause and you just lift your head and you close your eyes and you breathe it in. And it's so welcoming, it's so refreshing, it's so needed. Well, that's how God's light is for us. That his light comes to us and it shines upon us. But even on days like this, we can still choose to walk in darkness. On the most beautiful, glorious, sunny days, we can still choose to walk in the shadows. And I never understand it because I'm the kind of girl who loves walking in the sunshine and I'll deliberately cross over the road in order to walk in the sunshine. Uh, but I, I never understand it when I see people walking in the shadows, walking in the, in the darkness. And I think to myself, don't you know? All you need to do is cross over the road and you can be walking a glorious sunshine. And today we're going to explore what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. How do we um, connect that to our own lives? As we learn to follow the Jesus who said, I'm the light of the world. So firstly, we allow Jesus' light into our lives. That's point number one. So some of us who are watching today, you have known what it has felt like to have Jesus' light come into a place of darkness, come into a place of shame, and it has felt glorious, it has felt freeing, it has felt healing. It has been absolutely incredible. Maybe it was the first time when you admitted that there was um, an issue in your life, Maybe that you were struggling with loneliness or your finances or an addiction. Maybe it was to do with parenting or marriage. Maybe it happened during a prayer ministry session or at Connect Group or um, here, Church Online, or maybe just by yourself in your house. Maybe it was a secret that you've been keeping for years and years and years, and you've known the beauty of the, of, and freedom of what that has felt like. As you finally spoke that truth out to people. And you finally felt free. One lady wrote to us recently off the back of our uh, Scottish Vineyard Leaders Conference that we had a few months ago. And this is her story of light coming into her situation. She said this, she wrote this, four years ago I became a single parent when the dad to my kids became physically abusive and tried to end my life. Four years on and countless therapy and counseling sessions, I was still unable to control the panic when something touched my neck. This impacted so much of my life. Clothing I bought would have the neckline taken into consideration and my kids learnt from being babies never to touch my neck. While awake, I would simply move the clothing away from my neck, but overnight I would wake with my heart pounding and sweat pouring from my head whilst trying desperately to kick the blankets away from my neck. The sleepless nights that followed impacted my life and would often leave me feeling hopeless and drained. During ministry, I received a word that I should let go of the chains that surrounded me, giving my fears to God. I realized that I had wrapped myself in chains to protect me from further harm, but those very chains I felt were protecting me were harming me. Later that evening during worship, I had a conversation with God, and he showed me the way to freedom was to allow the chains to drop and to forgive my kid's dad. I forgave him, and instantly a freedom lifted me empowered by the healing i felt i'd gone through i tested it as much as i possibly could that night i slept with a blanket wrapped around my neck and fell into the deepest sleep i've had in over five years i'm now able to wear clothing that touches my neck with no indication that fear has ever been there isn't that amazing thank you lord for that You see, sometimes light feels like life immediately. Jesus' light comes and instantly we have life. But sometimes Jesus' light doesn't feel that way. Have you ever been clothes shopping and you're trying on something and you're looking in the mirror and you're thinking, oh my goodness, do I really look like that? Because the light is showing up every blemish, every mark. It's illuminating everything about you. Well, sometimes Jesus' light is often like that. Sometimes his light can expose things in us as the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit brings conviction to us through either other people or just by ourselves, to us alone. Just highlighting areas in our life that he, he wants to work on with us. Sometimes Jesus' light exposes things that we think, I could never, I could never allow that to come out. I could never speak about that. I could never deal with that thing there. Sometimes Jesus' light of truth can be overwhelming. It can be painful at times. I heard a story of um, friends of ours who um, had put their children to bed and um, their kids often would do a a quiet time at night and they put their kids to bed and they were downstairs and they were watching the TV and then they heard this big thump and they were like, oh my goodness, what on earth is that? and they ran up the stairs to find that one of their children had kind of collapsed out of bed and was shaking on the floor and crying And they didn't know what was going on. But what was coming from their mouths was a prayer of just saying sorry to the Lord. And then they looked and they saw the Bible that was open and they realized that this was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was doing a work in their child. And it turns out that their child was um, reading God's word, having their quiet time at night. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them and convicted them. Of some stuff in their life and they were so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit they just felt they needed to confess it all and to recognize that Jesus is Lord and say sorry for all the things that they had done and this was a a wee child it was a beautiful moment you see sometimes the light of Jesus comes and it, it can cause us to feel convicted. Just before Christmas a few years ago, the TV in our house stopped working. Chuck decided that it was a good idea to take it off and to um, put a soundbar underneath. Now, I don't really know what a soundbar is or what the point of it is, but Chuck seemed to think it was a good idea. And so he took the TV off the wall, fitted the soundbar, put the TV back on the wall, only to find that the TV was no longer working and he did everything to try and get this TV to work and he just couldn't make it work. And I was going, darling, it's a few days before Christmas. Me and the kids, we've got the radio times out. We've highlighted everything we want to watch. Like, we have to have a TV. And so, in the end, he agreed that we would get another TV because he couldn't make this TV work. But there's two things you need to know about Chuck. The first thing is, he hates giving up on anything. So what he did was, he got an old duvet, he wrapped the TV in the old duvet, and he put it in the loft the second thing you need to know about him is that he loves to research and so he spent the next few days researching the best TV for the best value for money um, that we could buy and in the end I was like can we please just get a TV i just want a TV so we can watch some good telly over Christmas with the kids and eventually agreed he got the TV all was fine During the Christmas period, however, I discovered one evening him Googling. And he was Googling about the particular TV that was in the loft. And then all of a sudden, he jumps up and he says, I know what the problem is. And I'm thinking, I too know what the problem is. Anyway, up he goes, he runs up the stairs, he gets the loft ladder down, he runs up into the loft, he drags this big TV down from the loft, he unwraps the TV from the duvet, he plugs it in, and lo and behold, the TV starts to work. Amazing! It turns out that there's a particular way to unplug this TV and Chuck did not do that particular way and if you don't do it in a particular way then the TV appears like it is broken however if you leave it and then you plug it back in it will come back to life. Now, the particular way I think you and I will be in agreement is the most obvious way of turning a TV off. And that is with the remote control button. You press the off button. Then you might go over to the TV itself and press the button on the TV to turn it off. Then you go to the power socket. You flick the switch and pull out the socket. Not Chuck. In his haste, to get the soundbar in and the TV off the wall, the TV was on apparently, and he just went straight to the power socket and pulled it out. And so, hence, the TV looked like it wasn't working for quite a while. Until he plugs it back in, and lo and behold, it worked. Now for many of us, we will have moments, maybe days, weeks, months, maybe even years where we might feel a little bit like that TV, hidden in the loft and forgotten about, where we've wrapped up those parts in us that we feel have stopped working, and we've hidden them away. You see, it's normal for us to want to hide the parts in us that are painful. It's normal for us to want to try and stay safe. It's normal sometimes for us to be afraid of the light. But here's the thing. Here's the good news. If Jesus really is the light of the world, that is such good news for us. Because the I am of Jesus is connected to the Greek verb, which we get from the word ego. Jesus is the I am. The one whose light in what it exposes opens up a space and room for us to not have to live in self-protection mode anymore. How wonderful is that? How wonderful that we don't need to fend off what we're so sure might, um, might bring so much pain or so much hurt if it ever came out, if it ever came into the light. Because... If Jesus really is the I am who holds us and sustains us, if the light of truth is the light of the grace of the gospel of Jesus, then there is absolutely nothing which is exposed from Jesus' light that cannot be healed by Jesus, cannot be redeemed, cannot uh, be, be, be brought freedom to. You see, the exposure of Jesus' light is the way to true life and freedom and hope and peace and healing. You see, so we can be a people who choose to refuse to have to protect our egos, protect those things that are painful to us, and instead we can say to the Lord, here I am here I am. I'm scared, but would you come and would you shine your light, Jesus, into every corner of my life? And would you come and bring your healing and your freedom and your redemption to me? The next thing we need to do is follow the light. So often when When, um, as Christians, we're following Jesus, it's so easy, isn't it, for us to think that, well, everything needs to fall into our laps. But notice here what Jesus says in verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And like I said, we often want things just to fall into our laps without really having to do anything, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. You know, we think, well, you know, I don't really like the fact that I have to move, that I need to press in and on and follow you, Jesus. God can heal us however he wants, whenever he wants, in, in whichever way he wants. And actually, as a church right now, we feel that we're in a really wonderful season of seeing healings, instantaneous healings, physical and emotional, of what the Lord is doing in our community. And it is beautiful. But sometimes, our physical healings or our emotional healings, it won't just happen just like that. For for a lot of us, it will be about making a daily, sometimes hourly, commitment to change and to grow. To keep putting one foot in front of the other. uh, Giving Jesus permission to come and do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, to bring about our own healing and wholeness and transformation no matter how difficult or painful we may think it could be. So the question that we are asking ourselves today is, are our lives moving forward following Jesus? Or are we settled, are we comfortable, or are we stuck? And I remember a time in my life when I was utterly stuck. Now let me be clear, there's many times in my life where I've been really stuck, but this is a particular time I want to tell you about. I had been sick as a child for many years and I was told age about 12, 13 that i had outgrown the disease and all was well, um, only to find age 15 that I relapsed with the same disease. And it was an incredibly difficult time for my family, uh, not only because I wasn't well but also because we had believed that God had healed me and then this disease came back. And so I was in a pretty bad way both physically and emotionally, a lot of my friends kind of disowned me, and I just, yeah, I just, I felt on my own. Um, But over the year, I've at least physically started to get better, but as I started to get better, my mum, who'd been looking after me, and uh, who was like the life and soul of everything, so busy, fingers in every pie, so much energy, so much life in her, took to her bed and she was in bed almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week, unable to do anything and none of us knew why. And she kept going backwards and forwards to the doctors and eventually the doctor said, I'm ever so sorry, but gave her a diagnosis of ME. And I remember when my mum came back and she told me what the diagnosis was, I remember going to my room and just wanting to kick the dory because I was so furious with God for allowing this to happen. And then there was my dad. So my dad um, grew up in the East End of Barking. And he said when he left school, there was two options of work. You either become a builder or you become a car mechanic. And so he chose to be a builder, but he loved to study. And so all the way through my childhood, my dad was always studying to get the grades he needed because his dream was to go to university to study theology. Well, that dream came true and he was offered a place at university uh, in the city near where we grew up. And he was attending that uni and the plan was he would do that and my mum would be the breadwinner. However, obviously, my mum couldn't be the breadwinner because my mum was in bed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so my dad had to hand back the place at that university and he had to go back to doing a job that he really did not like, which was Bricklay. And so, as you can imagine, our household was one of pain. And I, for one, blamed God for absolutely everything that had happened. I was still going through the motions of being a Christian, but deep down inside, I was like this stagnant pond. I was full of bitterness. I was full of resentment. I blamed God for absolutely everything. Every part of my life was covered in, with the stench of bitterness and resentment. You see, I'd chosen to take my eyes off Jesus. I had chosen not to allow his light to flood through my life. I'd chosen to allow my own situation to dictate who I thought God was, rather than hold on to the truth of what his word says, of uh, the promises that he'd given to me personally, from my own experience of who God had been to me, and through prophetic words that had been given to me as well. And um, I remember one day, this little voice, which I know would have been the Lord, just popped into my head and it said, you can either get bitter or you can get better. And in that moment, I realized that I had a choice to make. I could get bitter, I could stay as I was, or I could choose to get better. And I chose to get better. And I started just ever so slowly putting one foot in front of the other again. And then one day the Lord gave me a picture and it was of a massive brick wall, absolutely huge. And then he showed me side on. And the side on of the brick wall, I could see I was standing on one side and actually Jesus was standing on the other. And I was like, brilliant, Jesus, there you are. You are, you're, you're God, you're all powerful. You smash through that wall and you come and get me. And Jesus said to me, I'm not doing that, Terry." You put up that wall, you need to take it down. And then as I looked, on every brick there was a word. Brick of bitterness, brick of anger, brick of self-loathing, the brick of hatred, the brick of unforgiveness, the brick of disappointment, the brick of pain, on and on and on it went. And I realized, I built that wall. And Jesus was saying, you need to take it down. And so over a period of about a year, I took the the brick of bitterness and I took it off the wall and I laid it at the foot of the cross. And I just allowed all my pain to come out. I cried a lot, I just left it all with the Lord. I said I was so sorry. I forgave everyone that I needed to. And I handed it over to Jesus took down the brick of anger, the brick of shame, and just did business with the Lord over a period of about a year, handing it all to him. From that moment on, I really was putting one foot in front of the other, daily just choosing to lay those bricks down and trusting Jesus, following Jesus, looking to him, Jesus isn't calling us to just know him. He's calling us to follow him, even when following his light can feel scary. And whether we come with open hands or with fists clenched, whether we come willingly or unwillingly, may the God of all comfort, whose spirit is the spirit of truth and life and light, breathe upon us afresh today, shine upon us, afresh today, whatever we're going through, whatever hurt, whatever shame, whatever guilt, whatever unforgiveness, whatever pain, whatever rage, whatever self-loathing, whatever disappointment, whatever grief, whatever addiction that we're carrying, Jesus can come into all of that and he can bring his healing as he shines his beautiful light and bring redemption and freedom to us. His saving light can heal and restore us so that we can become like those candelabras lit up and illuminating the darkness. For even when our lives feel dark, we remember that we are not alone for the light of the great I am will lead and guide and heal us now and forever. Why don't we pray? And so we just invite your Holy Spirit, your light of truth, Jesus, your light of beauty to come into every home, every space, every place. that you would guide and you would lead us. And you would journey with us, particularly for those of us that know that there are things that we've hidden from the light that we know is calling us to not have freedom, causing us to not have freedom. Help us, Lord, to journey with you, to hand those things to you so that we can be free and we can know you better and we can follow you, Jesus. Amen.